It was $1,000 just to get into the door to buy a booth and took a trip down to Las Vegas and did a Star Trek convention. Before we even walked in, we had already spent like $2,000 and I was panicked. Today's podcast guest is someone I have known for a very long time. And he also happens to be married to one of my best friends. He has always been creative as a musician and producer, but over a decade ago, he came out with a hidden talent. Today, we will hear a little bit about his creative cliff jumping experience. Please welcome Alex Ware, also known as the Pumpkin Geek. Hey, Kim, how are you doing? Hi, doing good. Great to see you, and thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So how is life uh, these days with empty nesting kind of experience? What's what's that like for you guys? Oh, it's it's wonderful. Um, you know, we were having a little bit more time to travel. Um, of course, I'm busy with all of the work things that I do and other creative projects. Um, but no, it's it's nice. It feels like uh, we actually get to be adults instead of parents all the time. <laughs> so that I, I'm definitely enjoying that phase of our life, our our phase two or phase three. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Wonderful. That's the way to do the empty nesting, I guess, huh? <laughs> I hear you guys are headed to uh, Orlando. We are. We're going. So I work for Fan Expo Comic Con. And so we've got a show there in Orlando and we're going to go visit my mother who lives out there, kind of a two in one trip. So we'll go there and spend some time with family for a couple of days and then I'll go to work and Rebecca will get to kind of be in my work environment for a few days and meet the thousands of best friends that I've made over the past two years in this world. That is so cool. I, and you know, it's, it's interesting because we're telling the story today of kind of how you got where you're at. All of this started for you when you took a huge leap and jumped off your own cliff into the oh, it was a cliff, all right. scary unknown. Many people would think you could never do that and make a living. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started into being known as the pumpkin geek. Sure. Well, first of all, if anyone that's out there listening and wants to kind of get a visual of what I do, you can go onto Instagram and it's at the pumpkin geek. Um, so everything you see on there is I am a professional pumpkin carver. The difference is, is that I ended up using artificial pumpkins, the ones that you buy at Michael's, and I started doing everything custom. So I started going out to comic cons and, and, and a lot of creative events and people would order, uh, you know, Harry Potter and Spider-Man and Halloween and Michael Myers and all this other stuff. And it just really, it, it started out of uh, when I think when Rebecca and I bought a house, um, I just wanted to be the cool neighbor at Halloween. And I wasn't this major Halloween fan as a kid. I wasn't majorly into pumpkin carving contests or anything like that. I just always was like, into the geek world, you know, superheroes and, and sci-fi, you know, Star Wars and all the, the stuff that I grew up with in the 80s. And so I just really wanted to be the cool neighbor. And I started kind of getting a little bit more obsessed about carving pumpkins every Halloween and everything. And then about, gosh, it's been about 15 years ago or so, um, Rebecca had asked me to carve uh, a pumpkin for her company that she was working for. And it was early October, so I said, you know what? I've seen those artificial pumpkins at Michael's. Why don't I try the logo on that, and that way your boss can keep it every year. And it was, and I also thought, you know, it was like October 3rd or 4th. So I was like, I didn't want it to rot. So I figured this would be great. The boss could bring it out every year. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, I took the pumpkin there and had it on display. I got 35 orders that night 
from the people that were attending my wife's work open house, doctors and lawyers. And it was a very simple logo. It wasn't anything complicated, but I think the, the novelty was it's an artificial pumpkin. They can keep it and use it every year. And so yeah, a lot of you know people came up to me and they said, well, can you carve my logo? I'm, I'm a dentist or I'm a lawyer or whatever. And you know, I said, sure, it, that shouldn't be a problem. And then it got into, well, I've got a dog. Can you carve my dog? Well, not that I'm an actor, but I know always actors are trained to always say yes and figure it out later. And so I, I just said, well, sure, of course I can do that. I had no idea what I was doing. And so that kind of is, is how it, it evolved into what it became. That was the inception point. Then every year for a couple of years after that, I would start doing them. And I think, uh, I think I started, the internet was not really a thing yet. I think Twitter had just started to, to come onto the scene. Facebook was around, but I wasn't really on Facebook. So this is quite a few years ago. And so, but I started advertising, I think uh, locally in just like local newspapers and stuff like that said, Hey, pumpkin carving and stuff like that. And then I started getting some TV exposure, uh, our local TV, um, like the morning show with Mark S. Allen. He's, like the Ryan Seacrest of Northern California, he found out about me and he was nice enough to have me on TV. And I did, I did a carve of him and the other, yes, exactly. I did a carve of him and the other hosts and it just started to blow up from there. So then I started getting, and then Twitter became a thing. And so I was on Twitter. And so I was getting orders like every year, maybe 30 or 40 or 50 of them. And then Rebecca actually is the one who suggested, she goes, you know, you're getting really good at this. She goes, maybe we should try doing a convention. And so we spent like, it was $1,000 just to get into the door to buy a booth and took a trip down to Las Vegas and did a Star Trek convention. And so I think before we even walked in, we had already spent like $2,000 and I was panicked. I'm like, we're spending $2,000. I have no idea if anybody's going to buy this stuff. So I did all these Star Trek, you know, carves of all of the actors and then Lo and behold, Zachary Quinto, who for any geeks out there, he was Siler in Heroes, but he was the new Spock um, in, the, in the Star Trek reboot. I he came him. to my booth. <laughs> he, was, he was great. He came into yeah. my booth with like his four or five posse and said, I heard somebody carved my face into a pumpkin. And so he actually got, it was just, it was the most surreal thing. And he stayed in my booth for about 15 minutes. And in celebrity time, that was, might as well have been an, an hour. And he took pictures of it with him. He bought one and he posted it. And then it became a big, big thing. And I started getting all of these Star Trek orders. And then I started doing conventions. And then I started doing them for a living. And I was doing up to 25 shows a year, all the way from Sacramento, from where I live, all the way to Philadelphia across the country. And that was my life for a good seven years I was going out selling pumpkins in February, March, April, and May, and, and all the months in between. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it's like, who it knew? Was, yeah, it was a big leap. Do that, you know? It, it, I mean, your pumpkins are exceptional. I just have to pipe in there because they Thank are, you. they're exceptional. They're exceptional. And no doubt when people go see them, I mean, they'll see for themselves why it's all the rave. Yeah, so what a journey. And I think even, I remember there was a time the Sacramento Kings were kind of, did you do something for the Kings? You know, I, this was actually about two years ago, I think right before the pandemic, they had contacted me about doing, um, I think like their starting five or something like that. I've already been doing this now at this point for gosh, 
15, 10 to 15 years, maybe eight years full time. And then the rest was just kind of still just doing a few shows a year. And, you know, one of the things that I think I learned over the years is, first of all, I'd, I'd want to take all the orders. You know, it's like, yes, yes, yes. But then I took some big company, big corporate orders, and they said, well, look, we don't pay up front. We pay up to 90 days after the project is completed. Well, you know, they kind of hit you with the, well, my company is, you know, our company, and I've, I've worked for big, big companies. We're talking like Walgreens and massive corporations. Mm-hmm. They said, well, look, we're worth, you know, $60 billion. And then I, my thought is, well, then pay me my $3,000 now. It, sh- it shouldn't be a problem. But the Kings didn't want to pay me up front. <laughs> so I said, you know, I really can't. I don't, because I ended up having to act like a bill collector. I would be contacting these companies after 90 days and said, look, you still haven't paid me. You yeah, still haven't paid horrible me. Horrible feeling. And yeah, as as yeah, no, and you know, and as an artist, you know, I I, I don't want to have to chase down, you know, everybody after, you know, after the work is all done. I'm I'm trying to work on new, you know, new work, and so it's it's just time consuming. And so, you know, yeah, they wanted me to, and they wanted, and it was about eight days before Halloween before they needed, so they even wanted a rush. So they wanted me to just, you know break my back to get everything done. And I could have done it, but I was like, look, I, I take on orders so that I can support my family. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need orders 90 days from now. I need orders now and next week and everything like that. So I just, you know, I, you learn. And, and of course, if I would have gotten that offer nine, 10 years ago, I probably would have jumped at it and said, of course, you know, this mm-hmm. is prestige and all that. But I, you know, I, I've learned how to kind of manage my time and manage mm-hmm. where I think it's more valuable. And sometimes not taking the money you know, and not taking that order up front is it's worth more of my time to, to work on other things that are going to pay me up front. Yeah. And, and your sound mind is intact, which is nice. Yes, too, very right? much so. Right. Yeah. Because it is, it's, you know, if anybody, you know, you're a musician and, and you've done a lot of things like that, how would you like it if, if you, you know, Hey, Kim, come play at our church and we'll pay you in 60 to 90 days. It's not of a lot of incentive. And then, you know, things always happen. And so, yeah. you know, number one, we have to be able to do what we love doing and are passionate about. But two, we have to be respected enough to be able to be compensated for it when it's done. That's right. That's right. That's good. That's good for those creatives out there that are listening. Thank you. Like, you know, they need to hear that too. Um, yeah, that's, that's exciting. I mean, what a story, but it, you know, it's interesting because didn't this also lead to your current job today? Like kind of, yeah. Okay. So tell us how yeah, that happened. It, 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 so again, I have been doing, gosh, about 20 to 25 shows across the country. And I would fly, like I said, to, you know, to Dallas and to Chicago and Philadelphia. And I would get a table and I would take my display and I would take orders and you know, come back. And then I'd do the work. I always told people at home, I'm an artist on the road. I'm a traveling salesman because my whole job was to sell my product. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I will always and I did, I was very fortunate. I got asked to do a lot of panels on how to break into the Comic-Con business, how to break in as an artist. And I've always told people that how talented you are or how good your product is or your art is, if you can't sell, if you can't sell yourself and sell how passionate you are about it, then you might as well not do it because you have to be able to generate an income if you want to do it for a living. If you don't want to do it for a living, you want to do it for a hobby, then that's okay. But one of the things you have to do is, and that's what I would do on the road, I would be talking with 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people over a weekend. And I had to convince them why their lives were incomplete until they purchased a pumpkin from me in the middle of March. 
<laughs> and I got very good at it. Um, but so I was doing one of the shows for Fan Expo, and um, I had already um, talked to the sales rep about getting into the show because he didn't want to have me in the show because he's like, you sell pumpkins, but our show's in April. No one's going to buy them. And I said, trust me, I, I, I know how to sell and I don't sell them as Halloween gifts. I sell them as you know, collector's items and all of this other stuff. I said, just give me a chance. So, you know, management saw my work. They got to meet me and he brought other people over because he was so impressed with the work. And then I ended up getting offered a job. They said, clearly, you know how to sell. You've got great communication skills and you know this world. You're friends with so many of the artists and the exhibitors that do our shows. You should be a very natural fit to be able to contact artists and exhibitors and get them to do our shows. And so I took that job and it wasn't really what I expected along the way. And I'll tell you what, I, you know, it's the best job I've ever had in my life. I absolutely love it. Wow. It's like the perfect fit for you, huh? It is. I love, I love encouraging artists and exhibitors, mostly artists because exhibitors, they sell a product, you know, they buy a bunch of pop figures and they take them and they sell it's, it's pretty easy, but my heart is really in for the artists that have never done a show and they're very nervous. And I tell them, look, I said, I'm here to walk you through the ups and downs, what to expect, not to over expect and just how to make your presence felt so that when you're there, you can be successful. And that's what I love about my job is I, I've become such great friends with so many talented artists um, over the past two years. It's fantastic. It is really a dream job. And, and that's cool. It's like you're, I was just interviewing someone else who is a host of shows, right? And, he, and we were talking about how important it is to make people feel comfortable, those artists that come on your show when you host them. And, and you're kind of doing the same thing. It's like that hospitality, just making people feel like, because they're nervous, you know, and, and just that you have that. Oh, very much so, yeah. To make people feel comfortable and to feel like it's going to be great. You're going to do great, you know, and that's that's exciting. And you are an encourager. You've always been that. Rebecca and me always talk about that's your one of your gifts is encouragement. Thank you. Well, and, and it's easy for, it's easy on my side because when people say, you know, they, let's say they do art and whether it's watercolors or oil or whatever i tell i always try and tell them because everybody's very nervous when you do your first show you know what even if you spend three hundred dollars or three thousand whatever it is it's a lot to you mm -hmm. and i always tell them look if i can sell pumpkins in march april and may you should be able to sell art any time of the year because people <laughs> did kind of kind of did pigeonhole that oh it's a pumpkin it's only in october and it was always funny because people would contact me in October and say, hey, I'd like to order a pumpkin. I'm like, well, I'm eight weeks out on orders now, so this is going to be a Christmas gift. I said, and people are like, you're that busy? I said, I'm that busy. The most I did was right before the pandemic in 2019, I took, I think, 719 orders that year. Goodness. So it was, it was a full time and a half job. That's a lot of so, pumpkins yeah, my, in your life. <laughs> it was a lot. And I mean, if, wow. like I said, if you go through my Instagram, you scroll down, there's a lot of pictures of what like my house would look like, like every Saturday or Sunday, pack, packaging pictures. up all the boxes that were going to go out that week. And it was just a lot. Yeah, it yeah. was, it was, a, I loved doing it and I would not have traded that experience. And it's given me a lot of opportunities, um, but it was a lot of work. And um, I also tell artists or people that are going to kind of take a leap, watch Shark Tank because you'll learn how to oh, yeah. present what you're doing. And I remember Mark Cuban saying one of the most profound things ever, because everyone always says, oh, find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I've been hearing that all my life. Mm -hmm. And Mark Cuban said, 
entrepreneurs are the only people crazy enough to work 80 hours a week so that they don't have to work 40. And you and I both know if you find something that you love, you actually work three times more because you want to make sure it succeeds. Yeah, it's easy to punch a clock and just go work for somebody else. You just don't know you're working because you're having too much fun. <laughs> True. But you do put a lot of time you know, into you it. You do. You put, although in your case, I don't know, carving pumpkins. I mean, there's, there's little things people don't realize. Like when you're in the studio and you're sitting behind that computer and you're editing and you're doing all these things, that, that's a backbreaking thing sometimes, you know, you just think. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's you exhausting. Really, I'm sure it's exhausting. Well, yeah, for you, in your case, you're, you're sitting there and carving for hours upon hours. Now, that sounds treacherously tiresome to me. You know, <laughs> one, of, one of being a musician and just being the personality that I am, I've always got my earbuds in and I'm always listening to music. I know a lot of people listen to, you know, NPR and podcasts or book, you know, books on tape or audiobooks and stuff. And I just, I just get very lost in music, whether it's sometimes I listen to worship music, sometimes I listen to a lot of upbeat 70s funk and, you know, and 80s and everything, but it just makes the time pass by so much quicker. I just, I enjoy that. And so it takes my brain out of the physicality of what I'm doing. And just, I always say I, I'm getting paid to listen to music. Fun. So what's going on with your, your music, speaking of music? Um, what are you doing? Oh, that's, that that's, you know, I, I, Rebecca was, was kind enough to get me a small music studio uh, for my birthday. And it was uh, in 2020 during the pandemic, not that it was for the pandemic. Um, but I just got back into writing and, and recording and everything. And so I started playing out locally and stuff. And, and that's been a lot of fun. I don't have any aspirations to pursue it in any way, shape or form. But the nice thing is, is with Fan Expo, they knew I was a musician. And so when I go to the shows, there's always either a press party or a stage, and we've always got different performers and so on. So I'm actually playing out to in a lot of the, the, the situations when I'm fun. at work. So I am getting paid to play. I get That's to play, amazing. and it's always fun. That's it's a cool. lot of fun. So and your for music all of is the so uh, relevant, right? <laughs> thank you. It's a lot of fun. And for all of the sci-fi geeks that are out there, I you know, the last show that we did, I was in Portland. Um, I don't I you're not too far you are kinda of a little far from Portland. No, I should have called you up I'll and invited you up. Always call I should have I should I should have called you because because I ended up playing at the press party and for for the people that are Star Wars fans, uh, Anthony Daniels, C3PO, he was the host of the night. And so I got oh. to play for C3PO. <laughs> it was a lot you of better fun. Better call me next time. I'm a total <laughs> I know. Geek. I, you for, know some, I'm a geek. for some reason, I thought you were a little farther <laughs> than that, but I would have had you. You could have been my guest and enjoyed the weekend. <laughs> I would have loved it. Well, I love your story. It's so inspirational hearing you share. It's definitely convicting me that gosh if he can sell pumpkins i should get a little better at selling <laughs> not my favorite thing well, about it i think i'm gonna watch some shark tank and get some motivation but i um... know it's hard for a lot of people <laughs> i know and i have i have a very outgoing very big loud personality so for me selling is not a chore at all it's just That's naturally so cool. who i am but i always tell people just this is what my biggest advice to people who are jumping into a creative space and they have to do it and they have to sell. And let's use that term sell, very, whether it's on social media, whether it's in person, whatever, is don't think about it as selling, is just try to convey how passionate you are about what you do. And that is the best way to, to connect with somebody who may be purchasing what you have to offer. That's good. 
And that's that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're an artist. The way that we filter the word sale, sale you know, is, is different just as creative types that are not natural at it. Um, it. It's good to kind of think differently, change the perspective, you know, because it's yeah, creative. definitely. Yeah, it's important. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story oh, my pleasure. with us. I just, I want to ask you, this is a question I ask my guests because I think this is really important because there are a lot of people out there that are terrified to take a step, to take a, a leap of faith or a step mm -hmm. out there into the unknown. It's, it's frightening to, to do what you did. Um, but what would you say to that person that maybe they feel like a failure? Maybe they feel like they've done this in the past, but they failed and, and they don't know if they could, they're afraid to try. Um, or that person that's never taken a leap, but they're just like thinking about it, but they're just, they don't know if they want to take that chance or that risk. Um, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I think it's always important to try to take an opportunity or create an opportunity if you don't know if there's any out there. If there's something that you believe in, that you're passionate about, and again, a lot of people, I think they, they get a little nervous about when they're creative about, well, maybe my stuff is not good enough. Maybe people aren't gonna like it. You have to remember that art or anything that is creative, whether it's if you're an author, a musician, an artist, anything in the creative world, there's a group of people that are going to think that you're fantastic. And there's a lot of people that are not going to get what you do. A lot of people did not like my pumpkins. They're like, oh, I'm not into Halloween. I'm not into pumpkins. It's not a big deal. Yeah, you're very talented, but it's not for me. Try not to focus on the people that aren't going to be interested. Just look at, you have something to say or something to show and something that you want to create. And one of the things I've always told artists when I am at the shows now is, Make sure that people get to know you because you as an individual sometimes is even more important than what you're creating. Mm. Because if you feel a connection with an artist or an author, there's this immediate desire to want to encourage them in what they're doing. You say, hey, I read your book. And when, if that author takes a few minutes to talk to you about, yeah, I was also in that situation. I lost my parent or I was in foster care, something like that. You make a quick connection. The impact that that has on the person that you're actually trying to make a sale to is so much bigger than you can imagine. And when you, and I'm not saying that to do it in an inauthentic way, but when you can connect with your audience, they want to encourage you. They want to support you and they want to see you succeed. At least that's what I found. So I would tell anybody that's a little bit nervous, just go out there and try it and try it and try it. And you will fail, but it's not a failure. It's you will not have the success that you want. Of course, trust me, I did shows and I was, I'd have my expectations of this is how many I want to sell and I, I wouldn't hit it. And of course I would get down on myself, but you have to take away the positives is you have connected with those two or three or four people. And sometimes those even lead to opportunities that you had no idea that were around the corner. That's amazing. That's true too. That, it wasn't that your story. Like you had something happen with wizarding world or something like that. What was that? Story? Yeah. Wizard world was, I, I had, that was kind of one of the things I was actually trying to get them to buy my product for one reason or another. And they ended up offering me a job back with their comic-con 10, 12 years ago. And I did that for a little while. They had some financial issues 
And so I ended up having to leave. And then I became the full-time artist when they said, they said, Hey, you know what? We're sorry that we can't keep you, but if you ever want to do any of our shows, we'll treat you as a guest artist and we'll give you any table you want across the country for free. It was about $300, which, you know, it's not the end of the world. It wasn't like they were offering to fly me there, but because I made that connection, I also did really good work for them. They wanted to at least offer me something. That's when I say, take an opportunity. It was a scary opportunity to take. And I thought, well, at least it's a chance and let me see what I can do with it and, and see if I can grow this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And every, every little opportunity that you said yes to obviously led to a new open door somewhere. And here you are. Yes. Now. I've been very, very blessed in that. I, I, I would not have mapped this life out for myself in any way, shape or form. I could never have predicted that I would be a, a, a salesperson for a Comic-Con and then a full-time pumpkin carver and then back to being, it, it's just a very random kind of set of <laughs> circumstances that I was very fortunate to be presented with and I took advantage of them. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great, great share. I love your story. Love you and your family so much, you know that. And uh, Oh, definitely, love to you as well. Yeah, so thanks so much, Alex, and we'll be talking to you soon. Don't forget to hit me up if you're in Seattle or Portland. I will drive an hour easily to come say hi. Uh, you know what? Well, I'm in Portland every year, so I'll make sure to, if I don't see you before then, you can come. We'll, we'll meet up in Portland next year in January. All right. Sounds like a plan. Make it happen. Thanks again, right. Kim. Thanks, Alex. Talk to you later. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was today's podcast guest, Alex Ware, also known as The Pumpkin Geek. You can see his pumpkin carvings and also listen to his music on his Instagram site at the pumpkin geek. That's the at sign T H E P U M P K I N G E E K. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Alex Ware, also known as the pumpkin geek and his wonderful story of how he took a huge risk and it really did pay off in the end. He now has a wonderful career and he's able to help other artists as well by doing what he does and this could be very similar to your story if you're hesitant you're afraid to take a chance maybe that little risk that you need to take is just the thing that will launch you into a whole new beginning of a new chapter in your life that will be wonderful you were just listening to creative cliff jumpers by kim krennic interviewing alex ware the pumpkin geek If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share so other people can find it. Thank you so much and God bless. (laughs) 